You're listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host, artist Michelle Lockery. And today we're in the garden, in my art garden. And why are we in my art garden? Well, because that's where my studio is, and that's where I'm most comfortable, is when people come to either my scaffolding, or to my garden, or to my kitchen table. Probably not my studio, because I definitely am one of those artists that... um, I have to really love you to invite you into my studio. It's not that big, and it's my whole world. As we move forward after COVID, and I started this podcast to reinvent, I guess, my delivery in the world, one of the things I missed the most was my scaffolding. Time on the scaffolding is everything. It's a place where people would stop And they would come and talk to you and share their stories. People of all ages. One of those most important times on scaffolding was when I painted the um, internment mural. That mural is in Vernon, British Columbia. And it started the Sunflower Project. It started with a book that I read about sunflower seeds being brought to Canada. I was working with a group of people and still do work with those people on the importance of telling the story of the Ukraine internment in Canada. Many nationalities were affected by this internment, and it's a terrible history that Canada has got to move forward from and pay tribute to those people and the people's backs we walk on when we drive our highways or in our parks and in the infrastructure of this province. There's a sunflower on that wall, and that wall... Well, it's part of my family, but the sunflower, the sunflower represents community. I was taught as a child that people come together. You built nonprofits, you built support systems. And although most of my family are artists, what we were taught was that you have to build a community. You don't get just to be the one hit wonder. Yeah, we're an artist, or yes, you're an artist, or yes, you're a builder, or yes, you can teach. All of those are arts, the arts of life. But you don't have, I guess, the thought that that's all you do. So because you create, well, I'm just the bricklayer, or I'm just the painter, or I'm just this, or I'm the cook, or I'm that. That's the one stream you did, but there was always another stream, and that's community. He had to share stone soup. My first job was as an arts council executive director. I was young and I learned so much there. I worked with a group of women that were family members and friends and cousins. They were community. And I was taught by so many incredible, incredible women that it's not enough to just be the artist or it's not enough to just be the nonprofit. You must marry those. You must become the art, but become the support for the arts and the support for your family and the support for your communities. The Sunflower Project, well, it represents happiness and sadness and social justice and community and the arts and women. But what it truly is is the golden ratio, a sunflower, the eyes of the universe, the seeds, the beginning, the renewal, 
walking on the giants that came before you and not being so arrogant as to think that you, the I, is that important. A mural takes a whole team. One of the hardest parts of painting a mural is um, the border, is the straight lines, is the science of making sure that it looks just right. There takes some structure. Life takes structure. Putting up the scaffolding. So many people, strong people, have helped me put up scaffolding and made sure that that foundation is safe. That foundation is education and our system, and we must challenge that. you got to shake that scaffolding and make sure those hammer bolts are just right and talk to a senior contractor carpenter and say, hey, that wall, do you think that's going to hold? Is that newfangled bolt going to hold? Or does that old way of a hammer bolt and that little extra wire, that heavy, heavy farm wire, just in case that new way of putting up scaffolding fails? All generations people from museums. The importance of museums is that ability to walk into a building and to reach in those dusty drawers or that back envelope or those piles of photos. The Vernon Museum, the most welcoming place for the crew that we had for years. We'd make sure that the kids were not covered in wet paint, the crew, and we'd go in and I would look with just the most awe as the envelopes would come out And these pristine photos, these time capsules of people would be just presented to us with the stories and the passion of people who preserve our heritage in museums is so overlooked sometimes. The people of the Vernon Museum were incredible to work with. They would share the most precious snippets of lace or snippets of absolute time-kept secrets. The kids would get all excited, the crew would get excited, and they would take it back and they would paint stories of when women first got to wear pants. I mean, now we don't even think about it. But I remember the girls of the crew going, oh, really? And, you know, they would go back and they would remember history in an exciting way. When you think of the sunflower, or if you hear about our sunflower project, yes, we are encouraging everyone to paint and create and plant sunflowers. But it's so that you remember community. It takes all those petals and all those seeds connected. In times of fire, as we're experiencing in British Columbia right now, those connections are so important. We're seeing our land being just devastated. We're seeing people come together in connection. It doesn't matter your nationality. And from the roots that I'm from, the root people that I'm from, it didn't matter what your nationality was. We were all hurt. We've all have stories that'll break your heart, but we have to move forward. We must plant seeds like the seeds of our children, our grandchildren and the crews. And so in that, the sunflower represents the seniors, the petals, the youth, the seeds, the stalk, the past, and the pollen, the future. Working with Gallery Vertigo in our project of When Seniors Create, after COVID has been really, really instrumental to many things in my new collection of work that I'm working on. We're painting satellites and we're encouraging seniors to come together. And, you know, seniors have struggled during COVID. They've struggled to keep nonprofits alive. Um, Bridget from Vertigo 
a wonderful woman named Bridget Red. She's worked so hard. She's an artist, a very, very talented artist. And she must leave that work, that important work to her soul. And she also knows the importance of keeping an art gallery open, important for seniors and emerging youth. But the time, the dollars and the energies that are spent on keeping those grassroots arts galleries and and all of those nonprofit organizations functioning is exhausting. She talks about how tired she is. And that is very close to my heart because for the 30 years I've worked of trying to be an artist and feeding my soul and raising money to keep young people working on murals and nonprofits open and arts alive and the importance of copyright and the business of the arts because all of that is what's keeping the business of the arts and the economy and all those benefits going. You have artists that have worked on their practices and have had to be teachers and now are on pensions and now that they want and have this time to create, they don't have enough disposable income to buy the supplies or they don't have homes in those senior homes that allow them the space to create. It's not painting little birdhouses. It's being messy and creative like your five. That takes space and not carpets and income to buy art, art supplies. A tube of oil paint is $45. It's not cheap. You can buy dollar paint stores, but that paint doesn't last. So there's no legacy. In this conversation on When Seniors Create, I'm hoping to bring awareness Awareness that we need to re-examine senior homes and re-examine the knowledge of community, non-profit, and the partnerships and work it takes to keep those grassroots infrastructure non-profits functioning. The skills lie with our seniors. The world has changed. How we're going to rebuild the infrastructure has changed. I see non-profits as being somewhat invisible. This education system, the scaffolding that are really the cornerstones of our communities are struggling. And how do we teach our young that those nonprofits, they're vital to your art career. They're vital to your music career. You need a radio in order to hear music. You need sound. You need the, you need so many things. And in all of that is people people with skills and knowledge like the petals on a sunflower and before those petals fade or lose interest as they're in their locked in small apartments we must really think of the value that those seniors provide in their knowledge in their ideas and in time well spent we've disconnected from that and we have to find a way to reconnect the importance of storytelling and art and nonprofit and the word community. When Seniors Create is paying attention and bringing light and asking our seniors to come to the table. I'm 60 years old this year. I'm a senior. I don't feel like a senior. I still feel I should be climbing those walls. I still can climb those walls. But so many young people have embraced the mural world. I'm so proud as I watch so many of my crew members out there. 
I see so many sunflowers being painted. I see people reaching out saying, hey, I'm doing a sunflower too. We must build the scaffolding and give the opportunities for those open walls for seniors and youth and government and teachers, all people, all nationalities to come together. We are root people of this world. So when you see the sunflower, I want you to think of when seniors create, when kids create, when youth create, and when we create together, we're community. So take a listen of when seniors create. It's the art and the history connecting all communities. The water flows through indigenous blue. You're listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host, artist Michelle Lockery. Today I'm really excited because in the studio is a really good friend of mine. Her name is Brenda Alice. Brenda is an artist and a realtor and a marketer, marketing genius, actually. Um, she's part of so many community things. She has just been inspirational to know as a friend. But what she does for community is quite inspiring. Brenda was part of and is part of my Sunflower Project. We started painting sunflowers when we worked together in a downtown revitalization project on some murals that we worked on for internment and social justice. But most importantly, she has some stories to share about her life with the incredible artist Sveva Katani. Now, Sveva Katani has a, a huge story, and as you follow along, you'll hear more and more about this artist that was held captive in her house, but who truly will and is one of Canada and the world's premier artists. And Vernon is very blessed to have this artist be part of our landscape. So help me welcome Brenda Alice into the studio because Brenda had the honor of knowing Sveva Katani as a teacher and as a friend and got to spend much time with Sveva in her house. So join me as I'm very excited to spend some time with the one and only Brenda Alice. Welcome, Brenda, to Take It to the Wall. I'm so glad you could spend time with me today. I always look forward to a chat with you. It's some of the best of times. Well, I always think about the best of times is that as friends, we come and go, but we've always had some really interesting, fun times. And I think that's the best part as we get older is that we remember those best times because there's always some good learning in all of those times, I think. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that connects both you and I is the fact that we we do love to learn something new. So how did we meet? I think we met through the DVA. I'm trying to remember because I was painting murals. Oh, I just hit the microphone. That's great. Sorry, everybody out there. Michelle, hit the mic. So did we meet, you think, through work? I think we met through work. I think I knew who you were before we met. But the first time I remember meeting you and spending time with you, um, I think... Was I at the DBA or was I, uh, I don't know for sure, but I remember meeting you. I remember you and Sarah coming up to my house. For dinner, that glorious dinner. Yeah. And I mean, I know for sure the DBA experience and you on the murals, that solidified our connection um, into one that made it so that 
I think it was reciprocal. We were comfortable contacting each other by that point in time. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I remember that's when you were doing the treat trail and all the marketing and you were, I mean, you're just a whiz at marketing and all of that. And I was thinking we were all trying to do so much for that downtown. We were quite the force back then, all of us. Yes, yes, we were. We we learned from some absolutely amazing women. It's crazy when I think about it because I always see, you know, I grew up in a town that that's what you did. You worked together as a community. And I remember starting at the DVA and there wasn't very many people there to I believe that there was a staff of 11 by the time we were all gone. And I have no idea what's happening down there now, and especially after COVID and all of that stuff. But uh, certainly, I don't know about you, but I feel I feel a lack of community. Um, I feel it. I feel it's a it's going to be a skill that needs community building is something I've always been passionate about. And, and I feel like it's, it's lacking. It's, it's like we have all these ways to connect, but there's no connection. I see almost a territorial issue. I, I saw that they're doing, they've closed the streets, which is something we've always, I can remember us talking about that way back. Way back in the day. You yeah. know, and I, I'm really glad they're doing that because as we know, activity, you know, and connection. Because I think about when we did the sunflower project and we were doing that and we were starting to paint those sunflowers. I remember that everybody, we thought it was a good idea to fundraise and say, bring something and we'll paint it. Remember that? That's, oh, absolutely. I have photos from that day. It was, it was fabulous. Fabulous. And and the pictures of the little kids painting, you know, probably the first time some of them had held a paintbrush because some of them were pretty little. And uh, yeah, it's, it, that was magic. Well, and I think that's what it is. And I think that people, I don't know, they don't understand. For me, the sunflower represents community, right? And it's everybody coming together. And in that knowledge, I remember during the the years when the DVA had decided they didn't want any more public art, which is so hindsight kind of weird now when I think about it, because it had built so much that I'm going, do you understand maybe the white elephant that we built with all of those people? Everybody was getting paid or, I mean, there was such a team. If you don't have the skills on how to maintain that sustainability, it would feel quite, I guess, overwhelming for someone who didn't have those skills. That's very true. That's very true. And and it is a skill and not everybody has, for sure. Well, I always think stone soup, right? The wayfinder yes. <laughs> stone soup, right? Everybody Yes. Everybody I'm brings bring this. Well, and I think the spirit of volunteerism has really left. I'm wondering if that's gonna come back post COVID once we you know, we're starting to be able to get out and mingle a little, but I think it's gonna be a massive challenge because because we've been sequestered. So imagine this, and I'm just going to go off on that tangent right now, because when I say we've been sequestered and earlier before we started the recording, we were talking about Spava and imagine the, her reemergence after being the prisoner in that house. And she, she, she came out, with a force, man. I mean, off to university, becoming a teacher, all that stuff that she did after 50, um, which I find really motivating. Uh, and it, it, and it kind of gives me a little bit of a kick in the ass to say, yeah, don't stop. Just make something happen. Make anything happen. Make something. 
So how did you know Sveva? Sveva was my homeroom teacher in grade eight. It was 1972, September. The Olympics were on, and that's the Olympics where um, they were in Germany and the uh, hostage situation happened. All right. Right? So, I mean, first day of school, they introduced all the teachers on the stage, and I remember my friend said, I got in the good-looking guys class. <laughs> I, got, I got that big Italian woman. The name's Titanic. I don't know. I'm kind of scared. And the art room wasn't ready, so we were in the food lab. And I remember her passion talking about what was going on at the Olympics. And she was not a sports fan at all, but uh, definitely full of, of passion and vigor. And she made sure that we all had a discussion daily about what the hell was going on in the world. Right. There was no getting away from that. And uh, then, you know, subsequently I was in her art classes through school and and we formed a, a lifelong friendship. So Des I was very, very blessed. Describe her to me. When I think of her, I think of her in the presence. So in my mind, in my mind, Spava is walking, first of all. She has mobility. And she's wearing a caftan because that's what she always wore. She always had these big, flowy caftan things that were, you know, pretty normal in the seventies. But I think for her, it was just there were there was not a lot of constraint, and she was comfortable. But this caftan that I see her in, and I've seen this vision for us since ever since she passed away. Um, she's wearing a silk caftan it's got a lot of color in it 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 looks like one of her paintings but it's not one of her paintings that she painted in this realm okay okay and she's driving a red ferrari air car oh no way absolutely because she loves speed man she loved to drive fast and she was not necessarily a fan of rules of the road, which is why they eventually, you know, took turns driving her to school because she was kind of a danger to everyone else on the road. Oh, my God. And so was she an instructor instructor that would lean in and help you or was she much more? Um, how did she challenge you in class? She I remember in grade nine, I remember storming out. And there was a like a little nurse's room nearby. And I stormed out because I didn't like the feedback she was giving me. And I was, you know, a teenage emotional girl. And she stormed right after me. And that was the day I'd say we bonded. Because she said, look, you, you are an artist. But I'm supposed to be teaching you art. Can we make an agreement? You can draw whatever you want, but I need you to learn the technique I'm teaching you. <laughs> that's awesome. And thus it began. I was able to let my creative side come out, and I learned different techniques, but I didn't have to, you know, draw vases necessarily or 
still lifes or whatever, which was great for me because I I didn't I had no interest in any of that. I I just wanted to let what's inside come out. This so, there is quite uh, an influence when you look at your paintings. I always see that you the shapes of the bodies and the figures that you create have that same fluid color motion that she had. Well, and what's really funny is I remember at the same time there was um, she had a piece and it was that remember the painting I can't remember what it's called but there's a woman leaning up against like a pillar and it's got an arch in it and it's all the colors and all that stuff. And yeah, the one we put on the mural. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. Yes, it might be that one. Yeah. And and it was on display at Creative Chaos and a family that I babysat for, I think it was Creative Chaos, and they had gone and I was babysitting their kids. And they came back and said, wow, we can really see the influence of your art teacher in your work. But what was really weird was I'd never seen any of her work. No way. No way. <laughs> yeah. It was like, what do you mean? And so I went to Creative Chaos to see what they were talking about. Right? Yeah. And I was, at that point, pretty much working only in black and white with ink and paper. But the shapes were there. So it was, it was pretty cool. Well, it was interesting when I went to see the works and I had seen them because I remember Andrea Toth had helped bring them back to the Vernon Art Gallery at one time years ago. But when I saw them together at the Catani House Gallery, it absolutely floored me her use of light in, in reds and oranges to touch in every painting. Like it was so brilliant to see her use of subtle color. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny, I took a watercolor course a couple of winters ago, and uh, it was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not painting this washed out watercolor stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm using color now. And I'm sure that was her influence entirely. She has that same skill. There's that fineness. I was looking on one of the paintings that are up in the house, there's a woman and um, not the, I know there's the characters that weave through all of it, but this is a woman with a hat and it can't be more than four inches tall. And the detail in this woman is mm. how did, because I mean, I struggle with my eyesight and I, I look back at the pictures and I see she had a magnifying glass and a light, but her fine motor skills and the end of her career are incredible. Well, and especially considering the arthritis she had in her hands, and she never stopped creating, right? I mean, it came down to what she could do, and so she could write, and she could do, like, kind of needlepoint, you know, those the fabric or the, the plastic mesh? Yeah. And she would have, like, a plastic needle, and she could, she could make shapes and and whatnot with that, even though her fingers were like, I can't even bend my hand with to the way they were, but she was still creating. It's just incredible, and, right? Just that whole, and the community, I think that she had created. So did you spend time? Had you visited her in her house ever? Oh, tons of times. Really? What was I, that like? Oh my God, describe that, please. Well, so, I mean, it was just visiting with a friend, right? At that point, but it was you knew it. It was not. It was not. You know, 
it was an extraordinary friend for sure. Um, and I mean, she told me about the time she bought her first painting in Paris when she was five. Right. Oh my God. And I mean, we, we talked about trips. She talked a lot about her father and the orchard they had up in the VX. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to go back. I remember the first tour of the house she gave me. And this is, you know, where the Chinese cook spent his time and this, that, and the other thing. And I remember when she, when she renovated the upstairs, the first upstairs apartment, which would be the one you stayed in. Right. Yeah. She called me over to check out the, uh, the cabinets and the, and the, and the wallboard, I think it was for the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and there was a time where we talked about me living in the second apartment, but then she said, I'm certain you're going to have children and probably pets. <laughs> and where I wouldn't mind a cat, but I don't think I'd like a barking dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, because she had dogs when she was a child. That's funny. Exactly. But I think I think that she just didn't want to have any confrontation over that sort of stuff. So it was interesting. So it was like, okay, help me pick out the stuff. That's going to go in, and that's, you know, where Joan Harriet lived many, many years. And so I got to visit that apartment on numerous occasions as well. Um, but, yeah, we we started out, our visits started out in the kitchen. And as we became more peer friends, not student-teacher friend, um, our visits moved into the living room. And then, of course, in the end, she was... Um, mostly bedridden, bedridden, and so we were. The visits were. She was in bed. She had a lift. She called the Blue Angel, which would lift her up and move her over, so that she had a washroom installed in her in her room, so she could get out of the hospital. the The last time she came home from the hospital, so you know, we just we just hung out and we just chatted about what was going on in the world, and I mean, my kids. She delighted in the fact that she saw my daughter, Selena, before her paternal grandmother got here because she was there, you know, within hours of her being born. And, uh, yeah, just it was it was really special, really what, special. What did Sveva die of? No one really knows for sure. She was supposed to come home the next that she was supposed to come home the day she died. Really? And Joan said that they never really knew, but Joan felt she did not want to be stuck in that house again. Wow. Because she she was pretty bedridden. So the last time I saw her was about three weeks before that. And I called her up on the phone and she had this wonderful woman, Valerie, who was looking after her at that time and I said hey Sveva do you want to go for do you want to come outside and play because it was a sunny April day and she's she she kind of laughed and thought that was funny and I she said well what, what would we do I said well let's go for a walk and she said well I don't you know I don't know how that's going to work and I said well I don't know how it's going to work either and I'm not guaranteeing we'll even get out of the yard because it the, the driveway wasn't paved and it was rocks and she's in a wheelchair and she's quite a large woman. Anyway, Valerie came and we made it out of the driveway and we rolled around Lower East Hill around the block 
And it was the most marvelous thing because it, it got her out of the house and into the sunshine. And I'm really, really glad to have had that experience as my last interaction with her. So she was basically a mentor and a mom and a, a guiding yeah, she, spirit. She was my, my kids called her Grandma Sueva. Oh my God, Brenda, that's amazing. And I mean, if, if Lowell had been, if Lowell had been a, a girl, he was going to be Caitlin Kaitani. No way. That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. So Caitlin Kaitani Field, he was, if he'd been a girl. Yeah. So I think about it now and I think of all the hard work that all of the people have done, like Susan Brandoli and AJ bringing this return back. I, it's such a an undertold story, and I mean, I found love. They're living in the house. I mean, I've had tea with Joan Harriet. I had a wonderful Joan would come and she'd visit the house, and she'd knock on my door, and I'd come down, and she'd say, "Make me tea," and I'd make her tea. Yes. And um, she and was, would you be mother or would she? Who poured the tea? Oh, me. <laughs> oh, so you were mother. I was mother. <laughs> I was mother. Yes, and we would have. Was well, she always? I think I had two. And Mandy and Rob were there because, you know, they lived in the house as well. And we would have a birthday party for Sveva. So we would be instructed by Joan to make cake. And we would make a cake. And I can remember sitting outside on the back patio and Joan just, you know, we had picked the plums and had made. And I'm not a great baker, so let me tell you, the cake was nothing. But Joan was fine. And I poured the tea and she would tell stories about her and Sveva and how much she loves Sveva. And they're very, like she said unconventional life and yes I, it was absolutely unconventional yeah. and I felt I was in the presence of such greatness because when I first moved in and I went to the back all of Joan's studio in the back was like a time capsule the binoculars the little bug capsules everything was like it would had just they just left yeah you know that I think that in us as keepers of these stories I'm so grateful I still, and I've known you a long time, and you worked with me on the Sveva mural, which you knew and I knew was quite the struggle to make happening happen. Like, you know, that was a, let's see a little bit of a... That was a, that was a tough time, and it was a, that was an emotional time for you, too, because you lost your dad in the middle of that. I did, and, and my son worked on that mural, and my daughter, I, and... Yep. There's, and I think that familiar tie, I just looked at a, a photo, and my son's helping me clean up, and you know, him finding that. And there was just so much stuff that happens in that connection to family, I guess. And it's really interesting for me because I love my hometown and I love my family. But Vernon and the people I met through that house have become my family. I think, yeah, I think more so for you, although my connection to you, I think, does you know hat was amplified because of because of that house well it's like yeah. it's like a barrier falls down or something it's it's interesting because it feels a little bit like we're in Sveva's court and she's guiding I mean and we've had some good times and and many of my crew lived in that house like Melissa Dinwoody lived in that house Liz Allardyce lived in that house like think of the people yes like right that have and the far-reaching petals that have gone out, and I think that's what's exciting is that we need to go back because perhaps the building of community that comes from Europe and 
you know, all of what she had and all of what our generations have in our ancestry is in that. Maybe it's almost like a piece of our own heritage, I guess, in some way. I don't know. That's, yeah, that, that I, I really need to think about that a little. Me too, because I'm like, why is it so... I mean, yes, I get she's an incredible artist. And if you find her history and her story, maybe, Brenda, just maybe, think about this. Is it because she gave herself permission, like you said, at 50, to actually wear her own skin? Oh, I think without a doubt, that's a, a huge part of it. Um, and the, I mean, there was no shrinking violet in any in any way. I mean, she was very outspoken. You always knew where you stood. You always knew where she stood as well. Um, and we, I, remember, I remember she used to write, she used to write, um, reviews of the power of the powerhouse theater. Really? <laughs> yeah. So she, awesome. would, she would go. And so then, and there was, I, I remember typing one, she's dictating and I'm typing it out. And, and later she told me about one of the other, this was post secondary, one of the other teachers saying, it, it, is, it appears that you could probably write as well. <laughs> she thought, you know, like, duh. <laughs> you know, I'm fluent in several languages and I spent most of my life studying. It makes you think I would not know how to write. But, uh, well, you know, though, but that's part of it because I've just actually had an experience working with them, some government levels that on a call I had a, a young very eager administrator, executive director, whatever they're calling themselves these days, say to me, oh, you're an artist and, and you know how to write grants and your, bu- and your budget's correct? And I, I wanted to say, oh, yeah, and I'm a woman artist too, so you must really be. And, oh, dear. <laughs> but per- perhaps that's the missing link because if you think about, I watched the film about, her Roman ancestry and the popes and her very male crown patriarch world. Yet she was, mm-hmm. she's the queen. Absolutely. And she actually, and I, and she is because she emulated her father. She had the courage to follow that. Right. Because you have to think, think back to the times that, and I don't know what the years were for her, time being bound in the house but it was certainly in the realm of women and the women's liberation movement right okay she's not knowing any of that's going on really and yet she comes out the other side of it i mean i meet her in 1972 and she's full on those you know she's out and about doing her thing totally independent on on her on her way and showed no fear and there there weren't a lot of women doing that at that time well and imagine she had no influences so exactly other than what she read and i think about that my daughter's taking her kids out of school and she's trying a a forest school waldorf a different way because Mm -hmm. she wants to break the pattern nothing against school she just wants her children 
to have a new, because our children have the future. They have our secrets that we need. We can't fix the environment. Our kids are going to do that. We all know that. Let's hope they will. Let's hope and let's support them in changing that system. So if I think about Sveva not being, you know, school good, bad, or otherwise, or the mean girls and all those things, leave, I see us in the Velcro suit and leave fur balls on us and you change course, you know, you're bouncing and you yep. change course. She would have the one pain of her mom. And I, re- I remember when Brittany and I opened up the door, we got to read, there was letters and letters and letters to her mother. Very unkind in some ways, but really telling her true feelings about how she felt being locked in and how disapproving mother was. And, you know, she, in one letter, I remember reading saying that her mom's fears were crippling. But now I look at Ophelia and I think, Ophelia must have been very brave. In her, and, in and her own, terrified. Brave and terrified. Yeah, because imagine living in Vernon after he dies you know, and there's all those stories that maybe he's that's Leone's not her father, and maybe there's another story. There's all these stories, but think about her being alone, and I I think that Ophelia is another understated story in this whole thing. Oh, for sure, for sure, and and I don't think that I mean, I don't think that's a story we'll ever really know because there's no one left to tell it. It's really interesting if you're standing in the house and again, you know, I love what they're doing at the house and the sustainability for community, which is so key that the arts are really the renewal and all of the learning and and you and I have come up with this wonderful thing called mural estate, which is art is really much more than art. It is a foundation of our community. And we're going to... It is. Yeah, we're going to... And we need more public art. Well, and I think public art is much more the action of the art. That house is a piece of public art. Absolutely. And you're right. To me, art is always in the creation. It's not, the art is in the creation. It's not in the result. That's how I look at it. Me too, Brenda. And and I think that's what's really funny. I'm, I'm working with a gentleman who's helping me with my um, copyright because people go, oh, you know, and I think about Spava's copyright story and how important it is that that copyright go back to the very home to create and keep the story of the action of the art. Well, and just think how fortunate we all are that she worked with someone as reputable and with integrity as Heidi Thompson. Oh, without a doubt. Right? Because this this could be a totally different story just in that one selection. It could be there could have been so much exploitation, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think that that's I mean, that was a very very good choice on on her part. And I mean, she was very careful in how she set things up. We talked about that sort of thing a a lot about how there's the three way between what started off as the art gallery and the city and the foundation so that everybody's, you know, looking after making sure basically, you know, they're all watching out for the best interests of, um, and you know, she, she met with numerous lawyers to make sure that she got what she wanted uh, set up and um, and I think it, it's in hindsight and I didn't know anything about you know how things were set up or 
working. I know that for a long time I thought she had made a terrible error because the mandate of the house was not the mandate of the art gallery. It was, to me, a, a better fit might have been to be the art center because it was more about creating stuff and, and facilitating the creation of stuff. So I was really happy when uh, when the house became its own nonprofit entity and that's when things really started to, to take flight. And they've done a magnificent job as far as I'm concerned. Oh, me too. Hats off to them all. And I mean, I know all of us have had a part in that story and the splash of red, but we've all been the patron of Sveva's story. And I think that it's really interesting with artist resale rights, which are so important, Sveva will be leading. I mean, I'm having my own copyright and I'm not going to say issues. It is that in the property of art, it must return to the artist for that story. And it, it can become a commodity, which it does, but it always must go back to that property, to the artist, because it's their legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a really interesting, and we've talked about this a little, but not for a long, long time, about, you know, ownership and art. And and as you say, the, the copyright issues, which are really important, especially when, you know, so many people do so much that they basically give away in the first place. It divides the economy, and that's where I'm learning. And, and in, in what I've learned, I mean, I, I think I could challenge the copyright legal bar now for what I've had to learn. And actually what Heidi has taught me, and I, I just adore Heidi's work and, and Heidi and how strong she's been in the business of the arts, because in the middle, there's personality rights, and Sveva is her own brand. So the personality rights of Sveva belong to her and to yes. her home. The art gallery has a bigger mandate. That house is her home. And for that story to remain, and if you divide that, there can be a share of that value, but there must be a home. And I think that's the beautiful thing with artist resale rights. And now her work is going to put Canada, I mean, in a premier oh, place. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, learning, we all, and I go back to the DVA and I go back, you know, for us, it was like things that got signed is because, hey, we want to be able to take that building down in a year, sign this, but we will get these rights. And well, people didn't know this, like, you know, we were all pioneers. I think about the mural project and what the DVA did and started something that has, I believe, other than Shemaine has pushed the mural movement in Canada. I think so. And so yep. in our time, when we go back, the art in action of coming back, imagine if we looked at the murals and Sveva and the story of all of us living in that house, what you know, that whole network could build the art center. But you keep that in all of like Patty Mackey, like there's so, you know, G.E. Hudson, the photographer, Axel Ebring. Yeah. You know, today, A.J. Jagger Julie yes. Oaks, Heidi Thompson, like there are some incredible artists that come from this region for a reason. That's right. And I think that's that right. story, and Brenda. It's, it's a nurturing spot, right? We are we are blessed to live where we do. I think there's I think there's a a connection that comes with the amount of nature that we have around us and natural beauty. Um, we've got everything that we need for for health and sustainability but we have so much more because 
we have this wonderful environment to inspire us. I think of this. I think that where I was born was a little transportation hub of immigrants. And I'll never forget that it was everybody was welcome at our table. My mom was very good at that. And good and bad and otherwise, you know, sometimes immigrant people can be very hard. So you were always held to task. But in that, you built a community because you had to. Mm-hmm. And then in my research of Vernon as a transportation hub, which is how the mural started, was about the transportation hub. It was the same thing. Vernon was the transportation hub for the province. It's really interesting because not that long ago, we were talking about at work, talking about Vernon and Chris was going out to do a video and he was going to do a walk downtown. I said, did you go by the first house? And he said, what, what are you talking about? I said, well, that little log house, that's what was the first house in Vernon. And that it was built there because of the roads from Kamloops and going out to Cherryville and do you know like I had three heads right like how do you even know this well yeah because of because of the transportation and the history and the DVA and all of that stuff right and Luke Gerard used to sort the mail and I remember because that was part of the mural project and a lot of people don't know that the funds to fix fix up that house came based on we were painting heritage murals so the kids got taught trades training not only to build the downtown but also that building and and I can't I think it was Linda Wills came in and she was saying that Luke Gerard used to stack the, the mail in the slats of the floor. <laughs> and so like, and I watched a post the other day and said, well, you know, the seniors down there have somewhere to go. They could go sit in front of that little log house. And I'm like, it's not just a little log house. Yeah, it's a whole piece of history. It's our heritage. And it, I mean, it was front and center when it was, you know, moved. I remember it was at the lawn bowling area and they moved it back to where its original place um but all of those things if we don't tell those stories like like you're right if we don't tell those stories it gets forgotten and nobody knows it's just that log house where the ducks are near by what used to be Safeway. well it's really interesting because i'm i'm so pleased that there's mural tours going on downtown but mm-hmm. I love that, and I, I, it's a wonderful niche, and it's what the murals were there to do. But I want to invite you, Brenda, because I want to do the artist view of those murals. Because I believe that, again, in the word mural estate, that they're just wayfinding places that I want to stand there and say, why did we paint? Why did that happen? And what's, what's happening because of that today? I think that's a fabulous idea and and talk about you know how does it connect because as like you said the other day you had posted sometime some weeks ago a picture of the fire chief and it was like hey i met his great grandson and see and that's crazy right because the story that his granddaughter came to the site every day in a car completely filled with stuff i think she lived in her car and she would bring me photos and the story of him saving the lives of people in Ontario and why he became the fire chief. So when people think about them, and they are, I believe now, because I'm getting on, iconic. Iconic not because I painted them. Iconic because how we painted them with the crew and the music. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody worked together. I don't believe, I don't remember any infighting. No. I just don't. No, I'm not aware of any. No, we just all did what we had to do. Like, <laughs> it was really hot this year, and I was thinking, I was talking to my daughter, and I said, when we painted that train mural, it was the last big heat wave. 
Right. Yeah. Seven yeah. days on a wall on 40-something degrees. You oh, know. my goodness. But I think that's what you do to get things done. And, and Brenda, I believe you're right. I think we all need to support the downtown. And, I mean, if tell, tell our listeners, what do you do? What does Brenda Ellis do other than being an artist and a community creator? What does Brenda do? Oh, that's, a, that's kind of an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Right now, my focus recently has been on rebuilding a garden at my house. Nice. That exhumed in a rather debilitating way a couple of years back. And I've now got it to how I want it. And it's the first time that I've created anything like this on this scale. Um, it's full of sunflowers that are reseeded from the original sunflowers from the sunflower project and i just let for the most part up until this year i just let them grow wherever they wanted right so last year the intended path was almost impassable um this year i've created more of a path and i've just moved i might have moved them over a couple of feet but all of my sunflowers that are that are down there are they're multi-generational from the time of the sunflower mural, which I find astounding. And I see bits and pieces of them spread out in in the neighborhood. And I know, like my neighbor last year said to me, did you plant sunflowers in our yard? Because I wanted to ask you for some, and now I have some. I well, <laughs> I love that. But no, I did not purposefully plant them. I think the birds probably did, but it was so great, right? Well, yeah, that's been, and, and of course I have my, you know, my family, my grandkids who are now both teenagers, which I can't believe, um, are, are really important to me. Uh, I'm winding down my real estate career. Um, I'll be done with that in November, if not before. And yeah, we're looking at basing ourselves out of Mexico and we'll see what happens with that where so I can fulfill the promise that I made this way but that yes she said to me I know you're really busy being a mom and a wife and it's very demanding but promise me at some point when it's all under control you will continue to make art wow and so yes that is what my future looks like my present looks like going through a lot of stuff and giving a lot of things away and if anybody needs canning jars <laughs> you know it's really funny Brenda because I'm in the same place I am done I have done big projects my whole life as you know and fought with the government and tried to convince the government that if you could help by you know shining a light back because our our projects made millions and millions and millions of dollars for communities around the world I did forget to pay myself in that, so I wish I was rich, but I'm not. But the struggle of convincing the system to embrace the art, I have come to the realization that you can't. And yet, I think someday they'll get it, but we're going to be really old. I believe you're right. I think we're futurists, Brenda, and I'm in the same place as you. I will not ever write another grant. I mean... The formula works and it's great, but now the formula of art is just building a system and it's not being shared to the people. And I can't, I don't, I've, I've done my turn and I'm in the same place as you. I've promised certain people 
And, you know, the Sunflower Project has is now going to be the legacy because I had a lady from Romania reach out to me the other day about the sunflowers. So great. So, so great. And I still, still, still want to do a big book, storybook from, what's her name? Georgiana, the, the poem, the, the story of the sunflower. Georgiana Moore, because we're going to still work on our app, and I think, Brenda, that's where we're all going, because we want to have a meeting, because we got our last grant with Vertigo, When Seniors Create, and we have a wall, and we have sunflowers, and although we had other ones like that, we're just going to concentrate on this project, and that's going to be launched soon, but we're going to just bring everybody together, and there's no fighting over a sunflower, as you know, but I want to say thank you to you, because we started that idea in the parking lot in Vernon, and you know what? There's people around the world painting sunflowers and mapping them on the Sunflower Project. And again, there's no fighting. You can't fight over a sunflower. And as I'm sitting here, I too am going to spend, I'm going to build my next series, which is called um, Cole Palimpsest. And it's about the layers of community. And I welcome you to help me with the tours and the storybooks. And I think that is our legacy. And you know what I see, Brenda? I, I look forward to hearing. But you know what I see right now? I see a certain breed of sunflowers that's named Sveva. Oh, how do we? That'd be great. How do we make that happen? I think you need to, you you know the sunflower seed guy. I think we need to start there. Well, you know, Brenda, I know one thing about you. In all the years I've known you, when an idea happens, you're the person and the type of person that makes things happen. And you know what? It's, we can fall and come back like the ocean. Yep. But we've been united by art, community, and really kick-ass women. <laughs> you are entirely right. And and it's just been an absolute joy to... Uh, every time every time we talk, I get so inspired. And it just is... It's reassuring. And that... That is the feeling from my visits with Sveva, it's the same thing. It's the same feeling. It's the same emotion of, wow, that was a really inspiring talk. And now I feel motivated to do something different, to make something happen. And, and that's, that's a gift, man. It is a gift because you know what I see through COVID and all this, my mom and how many really creative artists that couldn't find senior homes don't have art centers in the middle. And I think with all of our skills, that suggestion is maybe something as artists, how important that is, how blessed are us to be in the presence forever in our lives of Sveva Katana. Let's make that happen. Why isn't that a thing? Well, I'm doing it. How can that not be a thing? Well, I'm doing a talk because I talked to the Women Transition House and I'm doing a talk. So that's what I'm saying. So what we're doing right now, so this podcast, and our listeners can hear this, our, this podcast is actually called the Wayfinder Artist Network. And what we're trying to do through stories and like exactly what we're doing is to have, take it to the wall. What are our needs? Talk to people. How is it going? But together through our stories, we can connect. Sharon Van Buren, who was on the project, who was one of our, you know, she was the skills leader for those youth. She was just such a healer and is such a healer. She's retiring in Mexico. You're in Mexico. That doesn't mean we can't all connect in our stories. Oh, absolutely. We can still connect. Right, and I think that's what we're here to do. It kind of like a bunch of old hippie chicks. Woohoo! Sunflower power. Yep, that's right. The hippies were right. The hippies were right, and I think that's where we come. Brenda, thank you so much for spending the afternoon with me, and let's get together and start talking about those mural tours because 
And I think we got to tell the kind of the, there's some fun mural tour stories of, you know, it wasn't all work on those walls. No, no, there was some, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's, some, <laughs> those walls could talk. Yeah, there's some stories for sure. And if the house oh. could talk. Oh my goodness. Right? Wine, oh front goodness. porch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very well, thank much, you Brenda. Very much. <laughs> That's hilarious. Thank you very much. I've, I've loved our chat, and I, I'm honored to have been a part of your Take It to the Wall. All right. You take care. You too. Art, root, blue. It's the art and the history connecting all communities. The water flows through indigenous blue. The tides rise and fall, connecting us all. Water is life, hear our call. The water flows through indigenous blue.